Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, it's postseason already. Boy, did this season go fast. Or are we just becoming old and that's the way time works? No, so I, Jimmy, I, I, we got, let's, let's help ourselves out here and let's wait till the bowl game till we call it postseason. Let's give us, let's just at least still think it's football season for another few more weeks. All right, let, let's, let's do that. Uh, let, let's start with the news, though. And the college football playoff polls came out. Penn State, to nobody's surprise, they come in at number eight uh, behind Alabama and Tennessee, which, of course, has relevance. And I think you got to look at this from the perspective of this was an unranked team when the season started. They are now a top 10 team. Yeah, this this is um, this is the bounce back everyone was talking about, right? The conversation prior to the year was sub five hundred in the Big Ten the last two years, five hundred program had slipped into mediocrity. Michigan State had a lightning in the bottle year. Now they're fourth in the Big Ten East, maybe behind Michigan State. And yeah, okay, they got they lost to Michigan and Ohio State, not necessarily unexpected couple undefeated teams when they played each other last week. One of them's going to be in the college football playoff. Maybe both of them. No shame in that. They what what you should be impressed about for this team and this season was a little bit of its resilience, the freshman class, but I also think I will remember this team for the way it handled its business against the teams it should be. Under James Franklin, I'm trying to think of another team that handled its business against, you know, the other opponents not named Michigan and not named Ohio State in their 10 wins, they they trucked a lot of teams. I mean, they really, really took care of their business. So they absolutely deserve to be number eight. I think if they end up in the Cotton Bowl, I think they got a, a crappy raw deal. But they got they also, they individually, I am saying, Penn State got a crappy raw deal. But the Big Ten didn't support them this year. The Big Ten is very, very mediocre overall this year, and that in turn has hurt Penn State. If they play in the Cotton Bowl against a group of five team, all right, it's still a New Year's Six Bowl game, but it's absolutely the very lowest measure of a New Year's Six Bowl game. They know it and we know it. Let's take a look at the bowl scenario here, Andy. On the surface, it would be appear. Michigan's in the playoff, which would push Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. If something happens, say USC loses their Pac-12 conference championship game, could Ohio State sneak into the college football playoffs and then Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl? That on the surface appears to be the route. But this week, and a story that seems to be gaining momentum is the Rose Bowl has some leeway in that pecking order of who they select. Ohio State was just at the Rose Bowl last year. They didn't travel well there last year. They probably would not travel well there this year. Their star quarterback probably would not play. The Rose Bowl has 
the opportunity to select Penn State over Ohio State, which would send the Buckeyes to the Orange Bowl. It's beginning to feel like a real possibility, Andy. Yeah, it feel it as this week's gone on. It feels more and more like a real possibility to me as well. I mean, the do they want to take Ohio State for the third time in five years, right? And the college football playoff committee has helped Penn State in that pot being a possibility that look, they put Ohio State ahead of Alabama and said if either TCU or USC lose in their respective conference championship games. The next, the next one up is Ohio state. So if both of them get in Penn state's going automatically, right? Like that we know, but if, if both those teams win, I, I, I really feel that the road, I feel 60, 40. Now that I feel 60 Rose bowl, 40 cotton bowl. And earlier in the week, I was like an 80, 20 guy. So I just don't think the Rose bowl for the out that it has why not choose Penn State? Why not? It will be interesting to see. Either way, though, Andy, either way, Cotton Bowl or Rose Bowl, if you want to go to the game, check out our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. They will be having a trip there. And I take it from me, we did the Auburn game. What a great time. They do everything first class. And if you want to make sure you receive their travel package information, just go to athletictravel.com and you could sign up there and you'll get all their information as soon as the bowl games are announced. Jimmy, I just want to say one thing. If Penn State makes it to the Rose Bowl, as a college football fan, you know, talking about your friends that, and the job they do, as a college football fan, if you love the game and you love your school and your school's playing at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, it is the coolest, best place I have ever seen a college football game. And I've been to a ton of college football stadiums and covered a ton of college football. It is the best place to see a game. Very good. It would be, I'm sure it's on a lot of people's bucket list, Andy. All right, let's move on to some other news. There's a lot of personnel news that took place this week, Andy. First, Olu Fashionu, the offensive lineman who has been getting so much talk about being a potential first-round draft pick, he decided to come back. That is huge for this team for next year in general and specifically for the offensive line. Yeah, it's... um. So it is a, the, I'll just say this. The first reaction I'm beginning from my PSU fan friends, uh, including a couple of former players, by the way, is like, is this guy really that good? Like, I had no idea this guy was that good. I barely even knew who he was. And I'm like, well, there's two things. Yes, he is. If you don't believe me, go back and watch a little bit of the Michigan and Ohio State game against high, high-level competition. He had himself a day in both those games. And the other thing I say is, if you don't know your, who your left tackle is, but he's really, really good like this, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, but this is a, I think this was a tough decision. They were like, well, how does he not take the money and run, right? Like, how does he not take the money? And I think it's, this is a draft projection, right? So in the way I look at it is, this is a projection. Is he talented? Yes. Has he had a great year? Has he played 
against high-level competition and excelled? Yes, all the above. But he's very green. He's still wet behind the ears a little bit. 300 snaps this year. That's it. He had a he had less than 100 snaps in his career coming in. He's still very young overall, right? Like he's 20. I think he's 20 years old right now. And the other thing is he is not ready to step in and be an NFL starting left tackle. And if you're going to draft someone that high, they have to be a starter. And he is a guy that projects to be one. He could be drafted somewhere you know, high this year, but I also see him as having a great possibility to be a board slip because he's not a starter right now. He's, I, I actually believe he may even still be 19 years old, Andy. I'm not sure, but he's, yeah. he's, he's a, a very young player, and that kind of age at the offensive line doesn't typically go in and start at the NFL level right away. So this is a decision that is not based purely on dollars and cents for him. So good for him. And if all things work out for him as expected, he will be a definite top of the first round pick next year. Um, let's go to a couple other personnel moves. I, I don't want to spend any time on it now because we're going to talk about the quarterbacks later. Christian Veyer, he entered the portal, backup quarterback. He's behind, behind Drew Aller. This was just the inevitable decision, right, Andy? Oh, yeah, this was all he was always going to leave this year. I say good for the young man for sticking around for the entire season and being the third quarterback on Penn State step chart. And from from all reports, he did it willingly. He was a good soldier all season. So good for him. This is the right timing for him now to, to move on. He can start. Uh, he could get to his new school for the spring semester and uh, perform in a spring practice, get acclimated to a new team. At the quarterback position, that's the way things work. Speaking of how things work in today's game, the other news on the personnel front was Joey Porter Jr. has opted out of the bowl game and declared for the NFL draft. Again, absolutely no surprise. I think the only surprise with him is we know he had the appendicitis late in the season, he actually he got back on the field rather quickly, was on the field for the game against Michigan State, but with a limited number of snaps, Andy. So, yeah, you saw him against Michigan State on senior day, and you wondered, is Joey Porter Jr. going to also play in the bowl game now that he made a sort of cameo for the Michigan State game? And it turns out, I mean, he did. He looked a little rusty and not 100%. He clearly was. And that was his ja- just his last swan song, right? Like, I want to be on Beaver Stadium one more time. And so this decision had already been made, was already known to the coaching staff, and he just wanted one more chance to be out there with his mates. And I say hats off to him. He He's, yeah, it, it was his time. Four years, you know, he's been around for four years, pretty much, you know, a late, as a true freshman, he was a late-year starter, and you know, caught your attention kind of right away. Like, whoa, this dude is good. Um, he played 34 games, had more than 100 tackles. So he only had one career interception. You're like, why is he so highly regarded with one career interception? Uh, yeah, Joey Porter and the Island, you did not visit there very often because if you did, 
in the passing game, you were generally losing. Um, he's one of the top corners in this draft class. Some pr- have projected him as the cornerback one uh, and a top 10 overall pick. Bottom line is he gave Penn State four years. His, he's an elite talent. This is the natural progression, and he is going to be an outstanding professional. He definitely will, and isn't it interesting? Remember that Purdue game where it seemed like they were actually attacking him and going after him, yep. and I think he saw more balls thrown his way in that one game than he did the rest of the season. In fact, there were games you wondered if he was out on the field because you never heard his name. Well, the reason why? Teams weren't throwing in his direction, and that happens for a reason. All right, Andy, that is it for quarter number one in the news. Stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. The Lions' bowl game fate will be decided on Sunday. Will it be the Rose Bowl in Pasadena? How about the Cotton Bowl in Texas? Collegiate Athletic Travel is prepared to take you wherever Penn State is headed. Don't miss out on your chance to watch the Lions roar into bowl season. Go to athletictravel.com and sign up to receive travel package information once the bowl destination is announced. That's athletictravel.com. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He's Andy Shea. Andy, I wanted to take this opportunity in this segment I have some leftover thoughts from uh, the Michigan State game and even from the rest of the season that I wanted to toss at you, see what your thoughts were. And in some ways, I thought of this Michigan State game as a microcosm of of Penn State's season. You saw the defense with pretty much a dominating performance. No surprise there. 
the offense eventually puts points up on the board, but it takes them a while. They started out slow. Let me start with that. The slowest starts from this Penn State offense. How come we see that, it seems like, every week? It's because the other team knows what Penn State's going to do, and they're very easy to defend um, when they do it. Uh, they, they haven't ventured very far outside that box. Very often, early in games this season, they pretty much stick to their script. They, they, they get themselves in unfavorable down-and-distance situations, it seems, the first couple, two, three drives of a game. But they sort of stick to what you expect them to do and what you've seen and what you know they're going to do. And the other team knows that too. So the actuality is they're pretty easy to defend. And the flip side of that is, Jimmy, that it's not like they flip a script and go completely outside the box, as as we like to say. They still kind of do what they do. They just sort of are an offense that builds. And so I say it's partly the other team knows what they're going to do. And this is an offense that needs a little leeway to build itself to become that, you know, one that hits for 30-plus points a game. They build to that, right? They don't come out and light you up in the beginning because they stick to what they do. So that's sort of how this offense works. It's how Mike and, you know, Sean Clifford kind of function well, it seems. It's not a dysfunctional offense. It just takes some while to get going. And that's a, the, the, the getting going thing is a credit to the O-line and, you know, a little bit of credit to Yersich and Clifford for, you know, sort of sticking to it. And they have ridiculous talent at running back. But they are not a, a fly fly uh, by the seat of their pants, hair on fire offense coming out of the tunnel. They build, and once they build, they're pretty darn good. Yeah, they get the And to your point, Andy, this team, and I didn't realize this till I looked it up, they've scored less than 30 points only twice all season. Right. And that that that's pretty impressive. It means yes. they're putting points on the board, but it still doesn't mean not many less frustrated watching them the first two or three series of the game. Jimmy, they average four four hundred and twenty some yards and thirty plus points a game over the course of twelve games. And you look at that and you go like, Really? Like they that that that's not always what your eyes tell you what you're seeing, but at the end of the day, that's what they end up doing. Yeah, exactly. That there's, you know, my the eyeball test seems a little bit different. Speaking of the eyeball test, got to talk Sean Clifford after this game. And, you know, he's taken a lot of abuse. I think there's a lot of circumstances when the team doesn't play well, as was the case for the previous two years. Quarterback and coach are both going to take some of the heat uh, when you have a five-star quarterback in waiting, like Drew Aller. If you're a quarterback who comes back for a sixth year, as Sean Clifford did, you're going to take some of the heat. But at the end of this game, he was 19 for 24, 200 yards, four TDs, no interceptions, a pretty good stat line. The Michigan State game was indicative of what Penn State got from Sean Clifford their 24-year-old, six-year quarterback. How many times did we see hear that this year when you watch the games on TV? But what you got was a finished product. 
And it was his best year overall as a quarterback because A, he had massive support that either lined up behind him or beside him, right, at the running back position. He didn't have a wide receiver one that he had to go to. Nobody emerged in that role. So he didn't have to – it wasn't like the ball was being forced a little bit. He got to pick and choose more, which was always his strength, which was, you know, finding the right guy and finding the right guy open. So he was able to spread the ball around a little bit more. And, okay, sure, his deep passing was not good this year. He was limited mobility-wise because of all the injuries, right? Like he's not nearly the mobile athlete he was, say, in 2020 or even – before he got hurt in the Iowa game in 2021. He was just different. But overall, they got a finished product, and that game was indicative of it all. And don't ever forget, the second year with Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator was a game changer for this offense, for Clifford, and for this team overall. It was a big deal. I think, Andy... You're right on a lot of points. I think Yursich especially adapted to what he has as talent. You're also right. You know, it was tough, this team. Sean Clifford's lack of mobility, that hampered the offense. You know, when you're running an RPO and you can't do the R part of it uh, or have the court or zone read where it's either the running back or the quarterback running and the quarterback doesn't ever run the ball – that's going to hamper you a bit. And the other part where you mentioned that we always say the 24-year-old sixth-year senior, I think the reason fans bring that up is when there are these obvious mistakes, Andy, that you don't expect from a guy who has this much experience. When he's focused on one receiver and there's another receiver on the other side of the field wide open, when it's not just arm strength that hampers him on the deep ball. It's his his placement. He's not putting the ball in a way that throws the receiver open. And you see that. And I think the other knock on him, and I'll uh, refer to our buddy uh, T. Frank Carr, who's taught me a lot about the quarterback play, is that Sean Clifford, he'll often abandon the pocket prematurely. He doesn't need to. And he could step up, but instead he abandons the pocket. And these are things that you don't expect to have from your sixth-year, 24-year-old quarterback. So when when there's Clifford, give him credit, he put his all into it and did everything he could for this university and handled everything gracefully, did wonderfully in that way. Great representative of the university but I don't think he has to be above criticism. And I think there's been plenty of opportunities for that, Andy. Uh, let's move on to the other side of the ball, which if you're a Penn State fan, you have to be very excited about this defense, not just the way it's constituted currently, but how it will look for the future. And one of the things, and you never realize this till you look it up, which I did in this case, this team, this defense has allowed 20 points or more only three times all season. That's amazing in this day and age of college football. Yep, Purdue, Michigan, and Ohio State. And they had they had their meat hooks defensively into Ohio State for three quarters until 
44 wrecked the game. 44 for Ohio State just literally wrecked the game on his own accord. And the defense had no say in that. But what they could control, they were on point for three quarters in that game. So in in my opinion, with the combination of the, the veterans, the few veterans that we knew about, the ones that were coming back off injury that we weren't sure about, and all this young talent, this defense is elite. Um, there's there's nothing else to say. And there's no reason to believe they can't continue to be elite going forward. Manny Diaz stays as the defensive coordinator. Imper- important component on this. This is now his defense. But you look at it. The gap at linebacker. Remember the gap at linebacker? Well, meet number 11, Penn State fans, Abdul Carter. And, you know, I will also say Tyler Elston, Curtis Jacobs, in a new position, right? Like he got overshadowed, Curtis did, by the play, the ridiculous athleticism and instincts and play of Abdul Carter. But if you think about it, at a new position, Curtis Jacobs was quietly, subtly, a very, very important component of this defense. But overall, the linebacker position, in my opinion, elevated itself as a position group more than any other position group on this entire team including the offensive line. That's just my opinion. But the secondary, we already knew it was talent-laden and good. They just became like basically this sick group of like eight dudes that could play, right? Like they played like eight guys on a consistent basis. And I thought the defensive line, for lack of marquee talent, they've had some developing talent, but for lack of marquee talent, boy, they were rock solid. How much better... Is Nick was Nick Tarburton at the end of the year against Michigan State than he was against Purdue? Just think about the development of a guy like that. That is what the the, the hallmark of this defensive line for 2022. Um, other than the Michigan game when Manny got out coached and he knows it, that was the only clunker. Otherwise, he was pretty much ahead, a step ahead of the opposition all year, Jimmy. He really was, and he may be the biggest component, but looking at a couple things, Andy, that strike me is the new the influx of talent. When you have a Chop Robinson come in and perform, we didn't know what he was going to be. Abdul Carter, obviously, we didn't know what he would be. I mentioned P.J. Mustafer because he was coming off injury. We didn't know what we were going to get there. Adis Isaac also coming off injury. We didn't know what we would get there. So all these question marks of new talent coming in were answered positively along with everybody else. And the the last point I want to make looking ahead, Andy, is we know Joey Porter's gone. We know Mustafer will be gone and Jair Brown. I'm that's a lot of talent to lose. And I'm still very confident in this defense come 2023. Uh, yeah, you should be. You're, you're going to lose talent to the NFL, but they played so many guys. I mean, remember early in the year, the first three, four games, Jimmy, we were talking like, what was it, the one game? I think they were in, like, were they close to the 20s? For guys over the, in the 20s for the number of guys they played. And and that was a fairly consistent thing. Like by the second or third series, by the third series, you had seen, you know, 18 or 19 guys play in the game. So that kind of experience and depth went all the way through. 
It definitely did, Andy, and it's exciting for a Penn State fan. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we've got your questions, and we're going to ask Andy. The Lions' bowl game fate will be decided on Sunday. Will it be the Rose Bowl in Pasadena? How about the Cotton Bowl in Texas? Collegiate Athletic Travel is prepared to take you wherever Penn State is headed. Don't miss out on your chance to watch the Lions roar into bowl season. Go to athletictravel.com and sign up to receive travel package information once the bowl destination is announced. That's athletictravel.com. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. It's quarter number three, and that means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions for Andy. And at the end of the segment, we'll select the best question, and they will win the KSN Polo. Andy, oh, by the way, and if you want to ask a question, just download our app, Keystone Sports, from the App Store. You'll see it. You'll see the Ask Andy button. Very easy. Ready to go, Andrew. I am ready, sir. Fire away. Let's start with Matt and Harper's Ferry. I know that the Big Ten is getting rid of divisions, but it can't come soon enough. I feel like the Big Ten does a disservice having their three having three top ten teams in the same division, just like last year. Why do you feel the Big Ten kept a division structure for one more year? Is it just to wait for the expansion? It feels like they don't want to even attempt to get two teams in the college football playoffs. By the way, I'm going to do a real quick answer to part of this question, Andy. Sure which is the new teams, USC and UCLA, are not coming in in 23. They're coming in in 24. 
right. the the um, Big Ten had the opportunity to ditch the divisions for 23. They didn't want to because they didn't want to change it up for just one year and then have to redo all the scheduling again for 24. So that's the note on that. But come 24, they will get rid of their divisions. Correct. And so and to answer Matt's question is, my simple answer would be, the Big Ten is slow, ha, has been slow to adjust during the college football playoff era, and the Big Ten continues to be slow to adjust to help its teams in the college football playoff era. That's the, that's all there is. I mean, when you have, you know, a Michigan and Ohio State and a Penn State, you know, it's got what. James Franklin's got what now four or five 10 win seasons under his belt. That's three elite programs, you know, on a fairly consistent basis that you've got in the same division. You are, and you've got a JV division and you've got a clear, almost a decade's worth of JV division on the other side, not being able to compete at the level of the big 10 East. That's okay if you have an unbalance. It's not okay just to sit there and let it continue to be status quo. So there's my answer, Matt. Very good. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Gary in Johnstown who says, I felt like Penn State was as good as Ohio State when they played each other until they let it slip away in the fourth quarter. My hypothetical question is what would the rankings look like if Penn State had held on and beaten Ohio State. Oh, Gary, Gary, good one. So that means Michigan does beat Ohio State and both Ohio State and Penn, Penn State's. Yeah, I don't know if they would put Penn State five or not because Penn State's not a college football playoff brand, right? Ohio State is a national, more of a national college football playoff brand. And Okay, they say it's what measures on the field, but at the end of the day, we all know that money and a brand matter. Not that Penn State is not an elite brand. They are. But as a college football playoff brand, they're not there yet. And Ohio State has more pedigree. I think they would be ranked ahead of Ohio State if they had beaten them, but I do not think they would be ahead of Alabama. And whether or not they'd be ahead of Tennessee, they probably would because Tennessee would be a two-loss team. They would definitely be behind Alabama but, with two losses. See, I, I disagree. I think Penn State would be where Ohio State is. I think Ohio State would then have two losses, Alabama two losses, Tennessee two losses. I think Penn State, with a win over Ohio State, I think they would be ranked fifth. And the one thing, if you're looking for precedent from this uh, – the college football committee, year after year after year, no matter how much they tell you, the one thing they seem to value is the number of losses. You get a yes. second loss, you're eliminated. You're out. We've seen yeah. it, Andy. We've we seen have, it. You, you could be a two-loss team with a head-to-head win over Ohio State and a Big Ten Conference championship. But if you have two losses, and of course my picture on painting is hypothetical, you're not going to make the playoffs. All right. <laughs> in that scenario, Jimmy, though, Penn State would not be uh, would not be in the Big Ten championship game, so they wouldn't be a Big Ten 
they wouldn't have an opportunity to win a conference championship. Michigan no, I'm talking playing. about previously Penn State oh, with yeah, their two okay. losses did win the Big Ten championship, and they still didn't make it. Why? Because they had two losses. That seems to be the number one point. If you have two losses, you're out. So I think Penn State would be ranked fifth and start rooting for Utah to beat USC, Andy. And it's 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 interesting to think about, and a good question by Gary, because that's how close we were to having Penn State challenging for a, a, a playoff spot. And yeah. I, I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle here. Yep, Let's absolutely. move on. Let's go to Dennis in Kingston, who says, Andy, how comfortable are you with this team going into the 23 season with only one quarterback that's taken a snap in a college football game and only three young quarterbacks on the roster? Yeah, we're going to talk. Well, I think we're going to talk about the quarterbacks a little bit more. But in terms of comfort level, I am more comfortable than I would have been had James Franklin and the coaching staff done what they had done in the in his previous years as the Penn State head coach, which is their backup quarterback literally only saw the field in the most garbage of garbage time. Um, I personally would have liked to have seen a little bit more of in the heat action of Drew Aller sort of inserted a little bit more here and there as part of a plan, like constructively, intentionally. And I'm, I'm talking maybe a series a game or a series every other game here and there. But I am a little bit more comfortable with him having gained, you know, the, the snap experience that he has this year, which is very different for Penn State. They're doing it different. James recognizes that he needed to do it different, and he did it different. And they will benefit from that. So the comfort level goes up a notch or two because of what they laid groundwork-wise this season. Even though I still wanted a little bit more, I still think they did enough. There's no doubt he did more this year with his backup quarterback than he ever has. And I liken this to the running back situation this season, Andy, where they ended up with just the two true freshmen as the only scholarship running backs. And it it went fine because they both stayed healthy. I'm comfortable next season – if Drew Aller stays healthy, and we will talk about this more, what the repercussions would be if he doesn't. Let's, uh, let's go to Brad in Percocy. And uh, Brad says, this is a big picture question. At this point, does Ohio State or USC deserve the fourth spot in the playoff and why? I personally think it's Ohio State. P.S. I'm writing this on Monday before the rankings come out. Second question, is Penn State ranked appropriately? Why or why not? So to answer the second question first, yes, they are ranked appropriately. Last week, I I didn't think they were. This week, I think they are. Uh, Oh, man. I think USC. So I think the Pac-12 is actually deeper than the Big Ten this year. That is just my opinion, and I think that is playing a factor into the two one-loss teams, one being four and one being five. And one has a chance to play for a conference championship, one does not. So that kind of lets them decide it. On the field, USC has the burden of proof, 
if you want to be in, you've got to win your conference championship. I don't think Ohio State, I think Ohio State might be the better team, but I'm not sure. Look, USC in this one-year turnaround, they're the best team NIL money can buy. That's the that's that's just the way it is. With the transfers they got in at the wide receiver position and the quarterback position in particular, they have become very, very good. So I think USC right now, from my eyes, watching football week to week and watching USC, both teams have troubles, have issues defensively. Both teams have a boatload of weapons offensively. They're very similar. But I think the fact that the big the Pac-12 is deeper this year, significantly deeper, I might even say, than the Big Ten, I think that plays a factor. What I think, if you want to dig just a little bit deeper, Andy, if you talk about the depth of the uh, Pac-12, you're talking obviously about teams like Utah's a good team, um, Washington's a good team, Oregon's a good team, UCLA's a good team. Oregon Even Oregon State. State's a good, a good yeah. team. But, 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 USC did not play Oregon. Correct. USC did not play Washington. Correct. Even though the Pac-12 is going divisionless, their schedule was still built around their divisions, which means Utah, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, they all had to play each other because when they had divisions, <laughs> those two teams played each other. Or those, that group of teams all had to play each other. USC in the Pac-12 South, I guess it was called, did not have to play every team from, from the Pac-12 North. So uh, I'm not sure where you, you know, that just has to factor in. You have to factor in USC schedule. And as you put it, though, they have a play-in game. They win their conference championship. They're in. Yep. They lose. They get a second loss. I believe in that case, Ohio State is in. Uh, real quick, let's go to the Riz from New York City. He says, I hope you're staying warm in Pennsylvania. Why is Franklin forcing us to watch Clifford again is what I said at the start of the season. And you said because he's our best option. Do you still feel that way after the season? And what do you think it will take for this team to become elite? I'm assuming he thinks it's that quarterback. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It is definitely the quarterback position, Jimmy. He's not wrong. Riz, you're right. It, it's elite. They've got their first five star prospect, right? They've got one on campus. He played some this year. Let's see what they can do with one now, right? Like this is it. You you have an elite recruited talent, a five star talent. Now, how does that development go? But and and Sean Clifford, I'll say it again. He was the he was the horse for the course for 2022 in this team. I, I think so, too. I've been critical of him, but I think he was the best option. And, hey, they won 10 games. There's something to be said for that. That is it, Andy, for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four, we'll name our winner. The Lions' bowl game fate will be decided on Sunday. Will it be the Rose Bowl in Pasadena? How about the Cotton Bowl in Texas? Collegiate Athletic Travel is prepared to take you wherever Penn State is headed. Don't miss out on your chance to watch the Lions roar into bowl season. Go to athletictravel.com and sign up to receive travel package information once the bowl destination is announced. That's athletictravel.com. 
StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy. We need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. Who do you got? Great question. Made me stop and think. Made you cock your head sideways. It is Gary from Johnstown. Really good question, Gary. All right, Gary, who asked, what would have happened if Penn State had beaten Ohio State? Love the hypothetical questions. Gary, I'll be reaching out to you about your KSN polo. Andy, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. What this quarterback room is going to look like in 2023, we knew this was coming. The only debate was, at what point would Christian Vayer decide to transfer? He's a, I guess he was listed this year as a redshirt freshman. He got beaten out by the true freshman Drew Aller, which was a bit of a surprise before the season started. Drew Aller... uh, I know I was stunned that they announced that before the season. I always assumed, just from experience, Vayu would get the nod as QB2, and then come spring, they would fight it out for number one. Instead, from all reports, Drew Aller improved greatly from what we saw in the spring blue-white game to until the fall. Let's just start with that before we talk about Penn State's quarterback room in 23. Christian Vayu, was there any argument in the world for him sticking around? No, absolutely not. Because I don't think I don't think he lost his spot. Like I don't I, I don't think he did anything to lose his spot. And I do believe, like you said, uh, I, it was a. I don't think that you said you were shocked, and it was a bit of surprise. I think even the coaching staff. I'll be honest with you. I don't think you get them to admit this publicly, but I think they tell you like the jump he made. From the end of spring, you know, spring ball 
to through the end of camp when they made that announcement was just so staggering that they really had no choice. It wasn't because he was a five-star prospect or anything. I think Drew Aller went out and earned his role as his position as a QB two on Penn state's roster. And I, I don't think Christian Bayou did anything not to, not to win that role. I don't think it was a, we've got to get the talent ahead. I really don't, especially after you watch the spring game, you were like, okay, this kid needs some seat time and credit to credit to Drew Aller for going out and do that. It was inevitable that Christian would transfer and go to the transfer portal because he's proven he can play at this level. He had a really good game against Rutgers, and when the train wreck at quarterback that happened in the Iowa game in 2021, and then Sean Clifford was hurt, Christian Bayou was the answer. He should have been the answer a little earlier, i.e. the Illinois game. But that's, you know, that's, that's armchair quarterbacking. But having seen that, he can play. So he was always going to leave, Jimmy, because he can absolutely compete and play. But at this level, he didn't have at the, on this roster. He didn't have a chance to compete for QB one because he got beat. I don't want to dwell on this point, Andy. So just a quick answer, so I could get back to Penn State's issues sure. in twenty three. Christian Vayu in the twenty twenty three season, out of the fourteen Big Ten teams, how many could he start for? He could start at Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois. One, two, three, six. Okay. At least six. That, that tells you right there, if he could be a mid-level uh, Big Ten starter, he should move on. Yeah. All right. Let, let's get back to the Penn State room in 2023. As I mentioned earlier when it came up, Drew Aller stays healthy. I, I feel pretty good about um, how this team can uh, play next year and how they can do at quarterback. The problem is, if anything happens to him, Next man up is Bo Prabula, who is yet to take a snap in a college football game, Andy. Yeah, so you have to be comfortable. I want to start a little bit with Drew real quick. I just want to say that there is a, there is some a jump to be made, and it's not in the passing game, but the the RPO and his mobility and his ability to sort of move. And I don't think he's a statue back there, even though he's a large lad, right? Like, he's a big kid. But in the modern game, mobility to the quarterback position, it's evolved into more of an asset. So I'm not saying he needs to be a running quarterback. That's just not what I'm saying. But can he make the jump at this level to be a mobile asset for this offense? And I think that is an important step that we're going to, that I will be looking for as he develops and, and moves into this role of QB1 going into 23. As we know, with the injuries to Sean, it, it sort of evolved into him not being able to be that type of quarterback, right? The injuries hampered his ability to use the athleticism that he built early in his career, and that went away because of the injury. So that is the only thing I will say about him. I, I think he's cool, calm, collected, and I think he's the right guy for this team. How do they develop their five-star prospect? Always keep an eye on that. Now, Bo Prabula. I got too much inside baseball knowledge, but that's a good thing in this case. I, I got to see the kid play in person, you know, many times, right? He, there's two things that grabbed me. One was the first time I saw him in person. I think he was a 10th grader. And I was like, oh my gosh, is he Trace McSorley's clone? Like literally on a high school field, 
having watched Trace McSorley high school tape when he was recruited, I'm like, oh my gosh, he plays exactly the same way Trace does. And in that similar vein, as I watched him through his sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school, the it factor. Like, Trace had an it factor, right? Like, we all know that. We learned that. Penn State fans got to love that, right? Bo has that. I mean, he's not and a super elite talent. He's a three-star for a reason. But he knows how to play the game, and he knows how to play the position, and he is well-suited. He is tailor-made for this offense. He fits it like a glove. We mentioned it earlier, horse for the course. Bo Perbula is a horse for the Penn State offense course. That is my belief. I, I don't think he comes in and if he has to play, he comes in and throws for 425 yards and four touchdowns a game. That's not what he does. But he does a lot of things that make this offense function well. I like him in this role. I think he's suited for it. And I think he, if you had to have him as your starter, if something happened to Drew Aller, I don't think you would be disappointed in what you get, Penn State fans. I, I didn't mean to pass over Drew Aller right away the way I did in my questioning. So let me respond to both things that you talked about. Going back to Drew Aller and his mobility, I was actually impressed with his mobility that he showed in the couple opportunities he had. And your point, if you mark this on a curve, relative to Sean Clifford and his lack of mobility – I feel like Drew Aller is already there and beyond. So I, I think we're going to see a more mobile quarterback in 23 than we saw in, in 22. Now, with Bo Prabula, everything I heard about him was like what you said. This is Trace McSorley at the high school level. When I finally watched the tape, what I was surprised by was how big Bo Perbula was. By that, I mean in comparison to Trace McSorley. Right. I thought I was going to see a little guy. He uh-uh. was not. He was much bigger than, than I thought he would be. Now, if you go into this, we talk QB1, we talk QB2. Right now, QB3 is the true incoming freshman, Jackson Smolik, out of Iowa, I guess. And he's Andy... Uh, he had some injury issues as an underclassman, as a junior, so he was probably under-recruited. I believe he committed initially to Tulane. Um, but the last thing in the world you want is that true freshman having to play. And boy, we've had instances where a third-string quarterback has had to play, if you look across the college football landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And just in numbers to have only three scholarship quarterbacks on your team. This team, they need they need a portal, a transfer portal quarterback. Do they not? Oh, they. you should always be shopping in the transfer portal for a quarterback. I mean, looking at 2023, all eyes are on the five-star prospect, right? But our eyes, well, my eyes, all four of them, are, are trained, are going to be trained on the development of uh, Jackson and Bo as three-star prospects, as which one's going to be the QB2. But I'm also going to be looking at what can they do in the transfer portal. Because in a quarterback room, today it's so, it's so 
you know, lucid, I would say like it's, you have, it, it just, it's so active and moves and changes. And ideally, you know, five, eight years ago, you'd want, you know, four or five guys in the room. Now three's your minimum. That's like your bottom of the basement. Four is your first floor. Ideally, you'd like to have five. That's your penthouse, but you can make it function with four and, Penn State's only going to have three, and two of them are three-star prospects with no experience. It'll be a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. And that screams and says, we might need to go shopping in the transfer portal. But either way, you're always shopping in the transfer portal for a quarterback. You never not look there. Well, let's talk about what, not a specific name, Andy, because we don't know how many names are going to arrive there. But let's talk about the type of quarterback that they could potentially get. We've already learned a quarterback at the level of Christian Vayu is not coming in because it was that level quarterback who left. You see a kid like Cade McNamara who has so much experience at the Michigan level. He's not going to come here. What does the quarterback look like who they can get? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's somebody that is willing and believes in themselves enough to compete for the starting job, but also be able to understand that if they don't perform at the level they think they can, that they will not be the starting quarterback. In other words, will I be given a fair opportunity? They have to believe that if they come to Penn State first. That's a selling job from the coaching staff. And two, they also have to be able to understand that they could end up as the backup. That's a tricky wicket. I know that, but, you know, they're not going to be shopping in, you know, the high-end store. They're going to be shopping in the middle aisle. I wouldn't be surprised if they went to a, a quarterback from a lower-level school who maybe a grad transfer, has one year of eligibility, doesn't have NFL aspirations, but wouldn't mind playing in a big program like a Penn State. And you know if you put him out there, he's already had plenty of game experience. All right, Andy, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. The Lions' bowl game fate will be decided on Sunday. Will it be the Rose Bowl in Pasadena? How about the Cotton Bowl in Texas? Collegiate Athletic Travel is prepared to take you wherever Penn State is headed. Don't miss out on your chance to watch the Lions roar into bowl season. Go to athletictravel.com and sign up to receive travel package information once the bowl destination is announced. That's athletictravel.com. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814 206 0000. 